2: LA
3: Steel Show, I'm Lila. Yes, and I'm Leo. And tonight we've got a whole bunch of union issues and news for you.
2: It's union night. Hmm. Um, well, how about this? From Michigan to Russia, sheet metal workers, I did a rod of snowmobiling, funds diabetes research.
1: She, <laughs> the sheet,
2: sheet metal worker, uh, I did a rod of snow funds diabetes research. Oh. Retired street metal worker, sheet metal oh, worker, sheet metal worker okay. Bill Bradfield of Cadillac Mission, Michigan, not only isn't letting his type 2 diabetes slowing down, he's leading a snowmobile truck through Michigan, Ontario, Canada, Norway, Finland, Sweden and Russia to raise money for diabetes research. Well good for him,
3: huh? One of my one of my uh icons and heroes is Tom Waits and he says
2: the world is a hellish place and bad writing
3: is destroying the
2: quality of our suffering. <laughs> that's, that's, that. <laughs> and he has a good sense of humor too. I'd agree with that. Bad writing is destroying a lot. <laughs> Not o- not only the quality of your suffering, but also <laughs> the
3: quality of your
2: joy. That's true. Uh, I, find like, uh, I find that very humorous. I too. Thank you, Joel, for sending that out.
3: Joel Bloomer sent that over. And Joel uh, <laughs> hey, Joel's a local musician up here. He's a very, very talented uh, guitar player. Well, and singer. Uh... Oh, why is nobody talking about the GOP's plan to send millions of disabled Americans into poverty? Oh <laughs> well, no, Gee, why isn't they talking about that? Lila, I think we should talk about that for a moment. What do you Well, think?
2: let's take a look at that. Yeah,
3: and as soon as and
2: they goes, do it happily, without writing well.
3: Huh? Yeah. So this is from the Nation, actually. The Nation. If anybody. William, familiar.
2: is this Greeter or Greider?
3: Greeter. Yes. Um, anyway, anyway, the nation. Anybody who still
2: remembers that uh, lefty paper? Disabled yeah. the <laughs> property. they have a picture of House Speaker John Boehner and, and Mitch Senate McConnell. Majority Leader. All
3: right. So if we can Mitch stop,
2: McConnell the, and stop all the Hill.
3: pop-ups, we'll, uh, we'll get down to business here.
2: Despite their virtues, many conservative Republicans have an unfortunate habit of picking on the weak and the disadvantaged, slandering people least able to fight back. We saw a glimpse of the callousness in Mitt Romney's disparagement of the 47% who are takers living off the hardworking makers. Yeah. Oh, God. The newly empowered GOP majority in Congress is going down the same road, targeting the millions of sick or injured Americans who receive Social Security disability benefits. This is a favorite
3: old canard of self-righteous right-wingers. They they label these unfortunate people as shiftless and suggest none too subtly that many are faking their injuries and illnesses. The GOP has been pushing this cold-hearted slander for at least 35 years. Ever since the glorious reign of Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, who remembers Reagan's imaginary welfare queen who drove to pick
2: up her welfare check in a Cadillac. McConnell well, Boehner Republicans are now re- reviving the Gipper's Big Lie, claiming is- the Social Security system is in crisis because of swollen disability benefits. Allegedly, to save the system, these so called fiscal conservatives intend to cut benefits and throw out those supposedly able-bodied slackers. Once again, the facts are bogus. Never mind the storyline is concocted to arouse anti-government resentment among people who are themselves strapped for income.
3: This is why we need bleeding-heart liberals, uh, politicians who will stand up to defend the scorned and tell the truth about the Republicans' propaganda. This season... The country has two tough minded senators assuming that role Sherrod Brown of Ohio and Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Sanders is ranking member of the Senate Budget Committee and Brown is ranking member of the Finance Committee's subcommittee on Social Security. They will be heard in Washington. Given broad public support, they can smash Mitch McConnell's plot to disable and maybe destroy Social Security.
2: Some so, quick facts so, yeah. Senator Brown and Senator Sanders have put before the Republican colleagues. Disability insurance goes to nearly 11 million Americans, including more than 2 million veterans and 1.8 million children. Like Social Security retirement, this is an insurance program that workers have paid into with their FICA deductions. Nobody gets rich on disability. The average benefit is less than $1,200 a month, and for 30% of beneficiaries, that is their entire income. The GOP's ploy, an accounting rule change already adopted by House Republicans, would set up the disability system for a 19% reduction in benefit payments, casting millions into official poverty status. Oh, my God.
3: Legendary fraud. The Republicans' claim to be moan is itself a great a giant lie. The Government Accounting Office and the Social Security, his own Inspector General, have both found that fraud in this program is less than 1%. Compare that to fraud committed by Pentagon contractors, by too-big-to-fail bankers, by auto companies concealing uh, deadly flaws in cars, by elected politicians, or by newspaper reporters. Both, both Sanders
2: and yeah, Brown uh, make the same accusation. The alleged problem with disability funding, Senator Sanders said, is a manufactured crisis which is part of the long-term Republican agenda to cut Social Security. Senator Brown said, Attacking disability insurance is only the first salvo on the Republicans' plan to attack Social Security and make harmful cuts to it. The GOP created a false shortfall for disability benefits by blocking an accounting reallocation that is so routine it has been 11 times in the past under Presidents Johnson, Nixon, Carter, Reagan, and Clinton. But here is
3: my question for the Washington Press Corps. Why aren't reporters writing about this?
2: Why don't they
3: examine the Brown and Sanders analysis and determine if their accusations are correct? Instead, the writing endless. Dope stories about a presidential campaign in 2016 and what might happen a year from now. Shouldn't the news be alerting people to the fight over Social Security the GOP
2: is starting in early 2015? The dysfunction of Washington involves the failure of major media to examine the gritty politics of issues that truly matter to citizens. Political reporters typically find these subjects boring, and reporters who cover the candidates and campaigns. Usually don't know much about how government really works. Both political parties work on wrapping the subjects by feeding, warping. warping did I say oh? Warping the subjects by feeding pre-tested clash- cliches and avoiding hot button issues. The messaging thus reduces campaigns to empty slogans and opaque generalities.
3: Count up all the thumb suckers. Uh, some, some sucker articles you have read about wannabe Republicans touring Iowa then count how many stories you saw about the GOP plot that gut Social Security. The answer, I suspect, is none. And the media pa- failure pretty much guarantees the vapid um, uh, contents of campaigns and silly debates over whose slogan is more misleading. Reporters are safe to ignore substantial uh, governing issues, except maybe going to war in the Ukraine or bombing Iran. But governing issues are what actual people mostly care about, or mostly care about most.
2: I remind, I am reminded of an earlier era when the press was less manipulated by political handlers and reporters were more aggressive about breaking stories without permission from their official source. When Ronald Reagan came back to town in 1981, he ran into an unexpected media buzzsaw named Spencer Rich who was a colleague of mine at the Washington Post. A fellow Post editor dubbed Spencer Rich the Ferret because Spencer was a relentless digger of facts who reportedly, repeatedly, excuse me, drove the Reagan White House nuts. His stories revealed insider details of what programs the new president intended to launch or old programs he planned to destroy. Spencer wasn't really interested in the political horse race, but he understood the substance of government's many parts, and he did care about how government functions. As it happens, so do ordinary citizens.
3: One of Spencer's front-page exclusives revealed that Gippers plan to whack Social Security disability insurance. Republicans, he discovered, planned to denounce the liberal program as a scandal of fraud and waste. A firestorm of controversy erupted after this story appeared. And the White House first denied it, then the White House confirmed the story, but said the facts were wrong. And one third, one the third, or fourth on. on the third or fourth day, the White House announced the program was snuffed. This is what makes a free press so valuable to democracy. This is if the reporters are truly free. I yearn to see a reporter with the courage to call out liars. Huh. And that's true. I mean, you know, good God. I mean, they
2: don't say anything now. No, you
3: know. I mean, it's no different than, uh, you know, people, you know, I, I love, since, ever since, um, um, what's her name, uh, who died there? Uh, uh, Joan Rivers. John Rivers. Ever since Joan Rivers died, uh, no one's no one's got the courage to criticize any fashion yeah, okay,
2: never mind. Tr- fashion? Never, they <laughs> will not even criticize
3: government. Never mind. No, they don't no,
2: even, no, no. Now they don't
3: even criticize no, fashion. Now they do not even criticize fashion. I mean, that, that's that, how, it's so horrendous. They're a bunch of
2: wimpy. Oh, wimp. oh, it's so bad. It's just so bad. Yeah, oh
3: my God, my God. Um, I, I'm gonna refer. I, we can't watch all this, but. Um, oh, we Winona are. Honor the, the Earth. Uh, video. seven hours long.
2: Oh my goodness. Okay,
3: but important to understand what fracking actually is. It's a great video exploding the bedrock. And uh, fracking isn't just a dirty word uh, in the
2: Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. It's a dirty process that pollutes our oil and water. Watch Fracking 101 and Edward James Almost will explain the method behind the madness. Right.
3: So I'm going to ask people to go to that, and that is uh, um, um, Oh, uh, club. Uh, no, what it, it says,
2: watch fracking one hundred and one. In I guess you'd have to go to Edward James Almost. Oh, no, uh, doesn't this This is silly. it doesn't really tell. Maybe if we put oh, it on, if, uh, let's uh, put it on yeah. and see see what it says here. Okay,
3: fracking one hundred and
2: one. Yeah. yeah, that's the name of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm put
1: out by the sierra club
2: narrated by Henry. the oil and gas industry has
1: turned to fracking a more dangerous and expensive extraction method that threatens our climate hydraulic fracturing called fracking is a way to access natural gas out of rock deep in the earth fossil fuel companies can frack anywhere from wilderness
3: Pretty there's scary a, stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah it is. And you know, there's I, there's, a, uh, oh, um, I, there's a um there's a there, there's an article that came up that I wanted to read it because uh t to good night as any. But uh it it had uh it showed the land area that it would actually take, okay, to uh, to 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 uh generate enough to for solar panels uh-huh. to generate enough solar energy to um to power the entire world mhm all right it only it would only take about three uh about three hundred miles square miles in in uh in the uh in uh, the sahara desert all right yeah yeah i mean uh, you know to have these solar panels in the sahara desert would be enough to to generate uh, to, to enough, enough electricity for the entire world,
2: and correct? people who don't have it could have it. Exactly, exactly. It'd be wonderful. Totally. Well, they don't want to do that because they wouldn't make enough money off it. No,
3: but this is what this is what can be done. This is what's so amazing; it can actually be done. You know?
2: Do you think that something's going to be done that's not going to make them money? No. Well, that's the problem.
3: Here's something that probably—I I mean, it's not so much unionite, but it, it's really uh, uh, something quite, quite, quite frightening that's happening to the education system in some of these uh, states. The supreme—the the, Supreme, the, the court
2: struck that down. Yeah,
3: but here, Obama's bill, uh, Oklahoma has a bill banning AP, our advanced placement U.S. history, which would make students study Ten Commandments and three speeches by Reagan instead. Okay. The Oklahoma bill banning advanced placement in U.S. history would also require schools to instruct students in um, a long list of foundational documents, including the Ten Commandments, two sermons, and three speeches by Ronald Reagan. The bill, authored by uh, Oklahoma Reps, Rep. Uh, Dan Fisher, designates a total of 58 documents that shall form the base level of academic content for all United States courses offered in the school in the state. Many of the texts are uncontroversial and undoubtedly covered by the advanced placement U.S. history, of course, such as the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, Gettysburg very address. But the bill also has an, an ideological and religious bent in addition to three speeches by Reagan. All right? So I, I'm going to have people, I'm not going to read this whole, well, it's not that long, actually. Um, in response to the college boards, a nonprofit which uh, creates the AP test said, that the opposition was based on significant misunderstandings. Ed um, Coleman, the president of the college board, emphasized that the tests are actually written by college professors and K through 12 teachers throughout the country. He, he also, in an effort to allay concerns, released a sample test. The efforts have spurred attacks on the test in Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, and Colorado. Imagine that. Yeah. I mean, all of these crazy. I'm surprised at Colorado. Colorado cool. is a weird state.
2: A lot of redness. I read that.
3: Yes, but this is something positive. I think progress if you want to go
2: to uh, thinkprogress.org. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just frightening that uh, you know. I just wanted to read something about global unions. Global unions defend the right to strike. In events and rallies around the world Wednesday, the global labor movement acted together to defend the right to to strike for workers everywhere. That basic right says the International Trade Union Confederation is under attack by employer groups at the International Labor Organization. Let me read a little more about that. Three years ago, employers and employers' delegates at the International Labor Organization Refused to participate in annual hearings on the most urgent cases of workers' rights violations around the gro- globe. That reversed more than 80 years of the cooperation and commitment that workers, employers and governments had maintained to a common ground in a balanced forum to examine the record of countries' commitments to defend fundamental labor rights. When they walked out on the 2012 hearings, employers argued that there is no international right to strike. Um, Union Steel Workers' President Leo Garad said, the right to withhold our labor in support of our just demands is a fundamental right of workers that has been historically recognized by the International Labor Organization as part of Convention 87 on Freedom of Association. Just last month, the Supreme Court of Canada affirmed the workers' freedom of association encompasses the right to act collectively in support of economic demands. But, says Garrod, multinational corporations and their high-priced lawyers as part of a coordinated assault on fundamental workers' rights now argues that the ILL supervisory bodies have no right to rule and the right to strike. He says the dispute should be referred to the International Court of Justice, but some governments refuse support his to support his referral. He says that the dispute should be referred, oh, excuse me, in a statement, Gerard pointed to the current unfair labor strike by more than 5,200 USW oil workers at 11 refineries in California, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Texas, and Washington. At the heart of this dispute is the disregard of multinational oil companies for the lives of our members, their families, and the people who live near refineries. In the past five years, 27 refinery workers have died on the job, while the oil industry has made billions in profits. Our workplaces are always dangerous and often deadly, with high temperatures, high pressures, and toxic chemicals and gases. Yet many of our locations are critically understaffed. He says, without the right to strike. Our members would have no way to effectively enforce their demand for safe workplaces and safe communities.
3: Well, I've got, um, well, I've got this one. I would like to a little video here that I'd like to play, and it's by Gil Fulbright for Senate. Uh, this this is kind of a, it's a funny one. Okay. Guys, they, okay. It's almost got a million views, <laughs> but. But it's a. It, is it, he a,
2: a real person running? He run, or? No,
3: he's not. But, but this, is, this shows you. But he's an honest. He's running honestly for Senate. And he tells you exactly how he's going to get there.
2: Okay.
0: okay. So. Hi. I'm Gil Fulbright. The people who run my campaign, they've made this commercial. And I'm in it. This campaign is not about me, it's about crafting a version of me that'll appeal to you a version that visits random work sites with paid actors. Pointing at things. A version of me that doesn't find old people loathsome or pointless. Has a conventionally attractive yet curiously still family.
2: (laughs) Listening
0: to my constituents, legislating, these are things I don't do. What I do is spend about 70% of my time raising funds for re-election. I'd do anything to stay in office. My name's Gil Fulbright, but... Hell, I'll change my name to Phil Goldbright, or Bill Fulbright, or fill my mouth with carts. These are the things that are important to me, and these are the fine people that finance my campaign. Now, in order to do these things, I have to stay in office, and to stay in office, I have to keep these guys happy. Now, if any of these things make these guys unhappy, well, my hands are tied. So come November, the choice is clear. Do you want another spineless mouthpiece for special interest and lobbyists or a spineless mouthpiece for special interest and lobbyists? I'm Philip Amalfos Part and I approve this message. He's from Kentucky.
3: Yeah, well,
1: it's,
2: just, yeah, well, it's just a joke. I
3: know. But anyway, I have another one here which is even more hysterical. But it's a, it's a guy running for Congress uh, who's a, or, or a senator or whatever. But he has to go. It's a fundraiser,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he has to go. Uh, he has to go out on stage and do a pole dance, right? For and they, and the fundraisers took him in the in his in his uh, bikinis. That's an older guy too. It's, it's it's very funny. It really really is. But uh, uh, so that's basically what it's come down to.
2: Absolutely,
3: yeah. You know everybody's running for the bill, and you know he can't get in there. And now with uh with with this uh, you know unlimited unlimited monies uh,
2: that can be given that can be
3: given yeah to individuals that's just by individuals it's just unbelievable
2: insanity. All right, but here it is. Anyway, here's another one. Um, rally in New Mexico. targets Yep. Education, anti union bills. Hundreds of community activists, including educators,
3: parents and union members marched on the New Mexico capital in Santa Fe for the Voices United for our Students' Day of Activities. And uh, participants gathered at the Santa Fe Rally Yard and then marched to the roundhouse to send a clear message to anti-worker lawmakers. How is it when a state is 49th in children's well-being that instead of taking talking about wraparound services in schools, we're talking about sanctions and testing? Um uh, Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, uh, asked the crowd, how is it that in a state that is known for music and art, we don't have music or art in schools? Isn't
2: that amazing? Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: This is why I'm here. This is a moral fight, a uh, ground-up fight to reclaim the promise of our schools, he said, or she said. We are at a fork in the road, New Mexico, unlike anywhere else in the nation is actually pushing the so-called corporate reforms that haven't worked anywhere
2: that have been tried. Several bills, including a mandatory flunking bill, funding for increased testing of public school children, and the so-called right-to-work legislation are under consideration by New Mexico legislators and have caused a groundswell of opposition during the legislative session. ASME is proud to stand alongside our sisters and brothers at AFTA and AFTA, which is the American Federation of Teachers, and the NEA, the National Education Association, and Equality New Mexico. Connie Durer, Executive Director of ASME Council 18, told the crowd, your struggles are our struggles. Our struggles are your struggles. We will fight together for better jobs. With fair evaluation systems, Dura said, we will fight for workers' rights for stronger communities and for a return to respect for those who make the state of New Mexico work. Following the rally, activists entered the state capitol building to lobby legislators and urged them to oppose anti-worker legislation, the field student testing model being pushed by out-of-state corporations, in a punitive teacher evaluation system that is forcing good teachers out of the profession. Yeah. So that's uh yeah, you know, that, that, that's what's going on.
3: And uh God bless those people out there standing up for it. I'll tell you that. Right
2: those now. poor kids, they don't have any art or music in their school. I know. Now
3: here's, here's a statement made by uh Matt Taibbi uh ta T- 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 uh, from the Rolling Stones. He said Wall Street has turned the economy into a giant asset-stripping scheme, one whose purpose is to suck the last bits of meat from the carcass of the middle class.
2: Mm, he's right about yeah, that. Yeah, he's
3: right on on that one. Um, I love this story, I read this to Lila earlier, but a friend of mine sent this over, and it says, One out of four people in this country is mentally unbalanced. Think of your three closest friends. If they seem okay, then you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> This was uh yeah i know it's union night and all, but these these statements are quite frightening, and these things are quite frightening uh today um, I sent this over in Indian county a uh, country uh, I think there was scale I sent this over to us um uh, youth suicides prompt emergency declaration on pine Ridge. what hope do we have as a tribe or a nation for our children have none? In essence, uh in and, and there's a, 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 a very high rash of, of uh Suicide. suicides on, on
2: the on Indian, the on the roads, especially
3: yeah. on pine ridge. Mm. Wait, pine Ridge reservation by the way was stated by a UN observer as the uh as a third world. Worse mm-hmm. worse than a
2: third world uh, third world. So it's a that, disgrace yeah. to our country. Just a disgrace. Yeah.
3: Well Grand State, oh of my re-
2: God, Utah House votes to resurrect firing squads
3: yeah the grand grand state of uh of Utah. Uh, yeah. with lethal injection under review by the u s Supreme Court, the Utah House of Representatives on Friday approved legislation to resume executions by firing squads, which were halted in two thousand four. The bill will narrowly clear the republican controlled chamber uh faces uncertain prospects in the GOP dominated uh, Senate. And Republican Governor Gary Herbert has not said that whether he would sign it at the law. Right. But um, it's amazing. Ugh. Yeah, I mean this 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 state is going in for
2: backward. I mean
3: unbelievable. I mean a friggin' firing squad. You might as well put him in the electric chair. You yeah.
2: <laughs> know? Horrible. That, yeah. Uh-huh. Will be well. Will we be doing beheadings next? Because, Probably. You know, yeah. 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 It's gaining popular. You know, we we seem to it's gaining in, popularity. In, instead of improving the way we do things, I don't believe in the death penalty anyway. Yeah. But to do this, no part there. This
3: was extremely offensive. When I, was, and I and I mean, I'm sorry that I brought I'm bringing this up because I know this guy's a municipal worker, he's a cop, but for God's sake. Officer of the Year admits to raping 20 male immigrants, not charged as a sex offender. And that happened in Florida. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, folks, but you got a lot of, you got some really sick bastards out there. That's some bad you know,
2: apples. You know,
3: and, and, you know, you're seeing it all over the country. And you got some real sick, sick people out there that are in the police force. And, you know, and in a lot, I'll, I'll, in any place, it's like all kinds of places, but. You know, to see this just makes you sick. You know, uh, Broward County, Florida, a former police, uh, Florida police officer admitted to forging undocumented immigrants into having sex with him, okay, forcing them to have sex. Uh, males, okay. Uh, Jonathan Bliswis, 34, pleads guilty to an array of charges last week admitting to 14 counts of armed false imprisonment, 15 counts of battery, and 4 counts of stalking. However, he avoided all of the charges with sex in them. Most likely due to the, his police officer status, mm-hmm. the former bar and sheriff deputy was given an insulting, uh, insultingly insulting lenient. Lenient plea deal. As part of the deal, uh, Flywise did not face charges of sexual battery and, as such, will not be required by the state of Florida to register as a sex offender. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he, he raped 20. Undocumented immigrants alleged uh, that uh, those harassed and molested them during pat downs, and threatened them with deportation if they refused to perform nice sex acts. Hey Amen, oh man, some kind of sick guy. But you know, here it is. This, this is what we're up against. Uh, you know, and, you know, uh, I just uh, but anyway, here's something too that. Um, did you did I read this to the other day? The, uh, I, I didn't read it the other day. But, I mean, I, I put up, but here's something that's changing the world now. And, you know, it, it, it's pretty bad. But well, anybody, we talked
2: about Fifty Shades of Grey, what we felt
3: about it. But we didn't talk about it last night? No. No, but no. This 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 article came up, and I wanted to read it, a part of it. It said, pornography is what the end of the world looks like, you know? Now... When you fight porn, you fight global capitalism. With the rise of pornography, there has also been an explosion in sex-related violence. But as porn becomes more accessible, are we blinded by self-destructive fantasy? Fifty Shades of Grey, the book and movie, is a celebration of the sadism that dominates nearly every aspect of American culture and lies at the core of pornography and global capitalism. It glorifies our dehumanization of women, it champions a world devoid of compassion, empathy, and love. It eroticizes hypermasculine power that c- carries out the abuse, degradation, humiliation, and torture of women whose personalities have been removed, whose only desire is to debase themselves in the service of male lust. The film, like American Sniper, unquestionably accepts a predatory world where the weak and vulnerable are objects to exploit while the powerful are narcissistic and violent demigods. It blesses the capital of this capitalist hell as natural and good. Pornography, Robert Jensen writes, is what the end of the world looks like. We are blinded by self-destructive fantasy, an array of amusements and spectacles, including TV reality shows, huge sporting events, social media, porn, which earns at least twice what Hollywood movies generate, and alluring uh, luxury products, uh, drugs, alcohol, and magic Jesus, uh, offers uh, enticing exit doors from reality, yet yearn to be rich, powerful, and celebrities, and those we must trample to build our pathetic little empires are seen as deserving their fate. They nearly That nearly all of us will never attain these ambitions as emblematic of our collective self-delusion
2: and the effectiveness of a culture awash in manipulation and lies. Porn seeks to eroticize the sadism. In porn, women are paid to repeat the mantra, well, uh, I'm a bitch, I'm a whore, etc. Yeah. They plead to be physically abused. Porn caters to degrading racist stereotypes. Black men are sexually potent beasts, stalking white women. Black women have a raw, primitive lust. Latin women are sultry and hot blooded. Asian women are meek, sexually submissive geishas. In porn, human imperfections do not exist. The oversized, silicon breasts, the pouting, gel-insulated lips, the body sculpted by plastic surgeons, the drug-induced erections that never subside, and the shaved pubic regions which cater to porn's pedophilia turn performers into pieces of plastic. Smell, sweat, breath, heartbeats, and touch are laced along with tenderness. Women in porn are packaged commodities. They are pleasure dolls and sexual puppets. They are stripped of true emotions. Porn is not about it is not about sex. If one defines sex as a mutual act between two partners, but about masturbation, a solitary auto-arousal devoid of intimacy and love, the cult of the self, that is the essence of porn, lies at the core of corporate culture. Porn, like global capitalism, is where human beings are sent to die. There are few people on the left who grasp the immense danger of allowing pornography to replace intimacy, sex, and love. Much of the left believes that pornography is about free speech, as if it is unacceptable to financially exploit and physically abuse a woman in a sweatshop in China, but acceptable to do so on the set of a porn film is if torture is wrong in Abu Ghraib, where prisoners were sexually humiliated and abused as if they were on a porn set, but permissible on a commercial porn site.
3: A new wave of feminists who have betrayed the iconic uh, work of radicals, such as Andrea Dworkin, defends porn as a form of sexual liberation and self-empowerment. These feminists are grounded in uh, Michael Foshock's and Judith Butler are stunted products of neoliberalism and postmodernism. Feminism for them is not is no longer about the liberation of women, who are oppressed. It is defined by a handful of women who are successful, powerful, and wealthy, or as in the case of Fifty Shades of Grey, able to snag a rich and powerful man. A woman wrote the Fifty Shades book, as well as the screenplay. A woman directed the film. A woman's studio had bought the movie. This. Conclusion collusion. By, collusion by women is part of the internalization of oppression and sexual violence that have been root, and have their roots in porn. Dorkin understood, she wrote, that the new pornography is a vast graveyard where the left has gone to die. The left cannot have its horrors in its politics, too.
2: I, I, feel I, I thought well, it was
3: interesting, too, to mention that over 70% of the audience going, going to see that have been women. They're going to see that movie.
2: So that they can be submissive and... I, well, uh, be... it's,
3: it's, it's done by women. Women are into this stuff, I guess.
2: Uh, I met Gail Dines, one of the most important radicals in the country, in a small cafe in Boston on Tuesday. She is the author of Pornland, How Porn Has Hijacked Our Sexuality, and a professor of sociology and women's studies at Wheelock College. Dines, along with a handful of others, including Jensen, fearlessly decry a culture that is as depraved as Caligula's Rome. The porn industry has hijacked the sexuality of an entire culture and is laying waste to a whole generation of boys, she warned. And when you lay waste to a generation of boys, you lay waste to a generation of girls. When you fight porn, you fight global capitalism, she said. The venture capitalists, the banks, the credit card companies are all in this feeding chain. That is why you never see anti-porn stories. The media is implicated. It is financially in bed with these companies. Porn is a part of this. Porn tells us we have nothing left as human beings, boundaries, integrity, desire, creativity, and authenticity. Women are reduced to three orifices and two hands. Porn is woven into the corporate discussion of intimacy and connectedness. This includes connectedness to the earth. If we were a society where we were whole, connected human beings in real communities, then we would not be able to look at porn. We would be we would not be able to watch another human being tortured. If you're going to give a tiny percent of the world, I can't. I have to wait till you move that. Oh, sorry. Did you accept that? Yes. Okay. If you are going to give a tiny percent of the world, you're going to move that.
3: The vast majority of the goodies.
2: You better make sure you have a good ideological system in place that legitimizes why everyone else is suffering economically, she said. This is what porn does. Porn tells you that material inequality between men and women is not the result of an economic system. It is biologically based, and women, being whores and bitches and only good for sex, don't deserve full equality. Porn is the ideological mouthpiece that legitimizes our material society of inequality. Porn is to patriarchy what media is to capitalism.
3: To keep the legions of easily bored male viewers aroused, porn makers produce videos that are increasingly violent and debasing. Extreme associates which specializes in graphic rape scenes along with J.M. Productions, promotes the very real pain endured by women on its sets. J.M. Productions pioneered aggressive throat-fucking uh, or face-fucking oh, uh, videos such as the Gag Factor a series in which women gag and often vomit. It ushered in the swirlies in which the male performer dunks the woman's head into a toilet after sex and then flushes. The company promises every whore gets the swirly treatment. Uh fucker than flusher. This is terrible. That's oh, horrible. But uh um, where's
1: And with
2: porn mainstream, some porn video participants are treated like film celebrities, and this is what I don't yeah. like by talk show hosts such as Oprah and Howard Stern. The behavior promoted by porn including stripping, promiscuity, S&M and exhibitionism has become chic. Porn also sets the standard for female beauty and female comportment. And this has been a terrifying consequence, and this has had a terrifying consequence for girls. Women are told in our society they have two choices, uh, Din says. They're either fuckable or invincible. Pardon the language, invincible. That's what I said, or invisible. To be fuckable means to conform to the porn culture, to look hot be submissive, and do what the man wants. That's the only way you get visibility. You cannot ask adolescent girls who are dying for vis- for visibility to choose invisibility. Right. You know, it's it's just really sick. None of this dying points out was
3: by accident. Porn grew out of the commodity culture, the need for corporate uh, capitalists to sell products. In post-Second World War America, yeah, the emergence of the middle class with a disposable income, she said. The only trouble is that this group was born to parents who had been through a depression and a war. They're, they did not know how to spend. They only knew how to save. What the capitalists needed to jumpstart the economy was to get people to spend money on stuff they did not need. For women, they brought in the television soaps. One of the reasons the ranch house was developed was because families only had one television. The uh, television was in the living room, and the women spent a lot of time in the kitchen. You had to devise a house where she could watch television from the kitchen. She was being taught. Isn't that incredible? I didn't realize that.
2: No.
3: But that's why there were so many so many ranch style houses that were built during the 40s, 50s, and 60s. This is a long article that people can go to and read. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the it's, no, it's, it's, it's not much that much couch. further. Yeah, there's only two more paragraphs. Sorry. Uh, but who was teaching the men how to spend money? She went on. It was Playboy magazine. This was the brilliance of Hugh Hefner. He understood that you don't just commodify sexuality; you sexualize commodities. The promise that Playboy held out was not the girls are the women. It was that if you buy at this level, it will consume. If you the, consume
2: at the level of uh, Playboy. Playboy tells
3: you to, then you will get the prize, which is the women. The step that was crucial to getting the prize was the consumption of commodities. He wrapped porn with sexualized and commoditized women's bodies in an upper-middle-class blanket. He gave it a veneer of respectability. And the VCR, the DVD, and later the Internet, allowed porn to be pumped into individual homes. The glossy, still images of Playboy, Penthouse, and Hustler became tame, even quaint. In America and much of the rest of the world became pornified. The income of the global porn industry is estimated at 96 billion dollars in the United States market, worth about 13 billion. There are Dines uh, writes 420 million internet porn pages, um, 4.2 million porn websites. Oh my God! And 68 million search engine requests for porn daily. To see excerpts from Don's book, click here.
2: Along with the rise of pornography, there has been an explosion in sex related violence, including domestic abuse, rape, and gang rape. A rape is reported every 6.2 minutes in the U.S., but the estimated total, taking into account unreported assaults, is perhaps five times higher. So many men murder their partners and former partners that we have well over a thousand homicides of that kind a of year meaning that every three years the death toll tops 9/11, 9-11's casualties. So no one declares a war on this particular kind of terror. Porn, meanwhile, is ever more accessible. So Very it's a, sad.
3: It's amazing. And, you know, I it's a good article. If you want to go to it, it's in the Nation of Change. Um, just go to nationofchange.com. It's called, Pornography is the End of the World, it looks like. And what... I think what what's really interesting, uh, something that's really interesting here is that what made it's me so available. I mean, kids, do, kids even have it today. Uh, you know, and they call it porn in the pocket. And they get, it on,
2: their yeah, cell they get it on their
3: cell phones. They, you know, they get it on their laptops. They get it everywhere.
2: I and think I think the thing, thing that, that about, about this article that made me sick was that um, Fifty Shades of Grey was written by a woman.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah? Produced by a woman, directed by a woman, and uh, bought by a woman. Okay,
2: um, the, the producer was a woman. So, that's something. No, it made me really sick that she would debate her own sex that way.
3: Well, here's uh here's something that's uplifting. Uh, not one step back. Moral marchers converge in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's look at this article.
2: Kind of inspiring where people are standing up to. Demonstrators rise up against attacks on voting and women's rights, economic justice, public education, equal protection under the law, and more. That's good.
3: Rallying around a 14 point people's agenda, thousands gathered in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina on Saturday for the annual Moral March, calling for livable wages environmental justice, health care for all, and an end to racism and inequality and more. The movement stands in opposition to the extreme and regressive agenda being pushed in North Carolina. An agenda, it says, is a reflection of what is happening across the United States. Organized by the state NAACP and more than 100 advocacy groups, the march is an extension of the Moral Monday actions that have been taking place in North Carolina since 2013. Wow. If the participants will challenge recent attacks on voting and reproductive rights, economic justice, public education, equal protection under the law, and more under the banner Forward Together, Not One Step Back.
2: And this is our Salma, yeah. Reverend Dr. William Barber, President of the North Carolina NAACP, told journalists, in a press call earlier this month invoking the 1965 Civil Rights March in Alabama, that led to the passage of the voting, voting Rights Act and were recently represented on the big screen. Selma can't uh, merely be a movie. It must be a movement we engage in now. Everything they won in Selma is now being attacked, and North Carolina is the clearest example of that. There you go, And, uh... Yeah. So we can stop at that.
3: Yeah. A little more to that article. But, yeah, that's okay. And, uh... Let me go on here. Uh, here's a little health tip for you, Tina. Drink lemon water in the morning. Oh. It eliminates toxins, alkalizes your body, vitamins and minerals, terrific for skin and helps weight loss. Is that good?
2: So what do they mean by squeeze a lemon and put it in? Yeah,
3: it was just lemon water. Yeah, put lemon in your water
2: mm-hmm. uh, and drink it. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, what is No,
3: Roosevelt. Oh, Roosevelt, excuse me. Roosevelt says, we know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. (laughs) Never before in all of our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. President
2: Franklin Delano uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt. He was a brave guy.
3: Here's something that was really kind of strange. I don't know why the guy was riding with with his gun in his his glove compartment, but (laughs) they arrested him. Uh, Here's here's something interesting. Why does the Muslim Brotherhood get free F-16s if American citizens can't be trusted with common hunting rifles? Wake up, America. That's not giving F-15s over there to free. Here's another one that's really good. Tesla Motors announces a new home battery. Living off the grid will soon be status quo. Oh, let's well, is isn't, isn't that a good idea? Mm-hmm. That's
2: great. They'll be banned. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, they just passed a the law where uh, somebody, a woman in Florida?
3: Couldn't be off the grid. She couldn't
2: be off That's
3: the grid. That's right. I know that I read that. I read, we read that the other night. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, uh, anyway,
3: really, Ellen, Ellen, Elon Musk. CEO of Tesla Motors, announced Wednesday that the company is working on a new kind of battery that would be used to power homes. Based on Tesla's lithium-ion battery technology, the new battery is expected to help the company become a leader in the growing home energy storage market. Speaking during an, an earnings conference call on Wednesday, Musk said that the design of the battery is complete and production would begin in about six months. Although the company did not provide any date for the product's launch, Musk said that he was pleased with the result. We are going to unveil the Tesla home battery, the, the consumer battery that would be for, for use in people's houses or businesses fairly soon, Bloomberg quoted Musk as saying. And during an earnings call last year, Musk had talked about his plans to make a product that would be fitted into consumer homes instead of their cars. He had expressed an interest in the home energy storage market and predicted enormous demand for battery systems for backup power at uh, both homes and businesses. wouldn't that be better than a generator?
0: Oh, Oh, my God. Certainly.
3: We are trying to figure out what would be a cool stationary battery pack. Forbes uh, had quoted Musk as saying at the time. Some will be like the model S-pack. Some like something flat, five inches off the wall, wall wall-mounted with a beautiful cover and an integrated Bi directional inverter and plug and play. The Palto Alto, California based automaker already produces residential energy storage units through Solar City Corp., a solar power company that names Musk as its chairman and the biggest shareholder. In addition, Tesla's Fremont, California facility um, also produces-, produces large stationary storage systems for businesses and utility clients, Bloomberg reported. Hmm. The long-term demand for stationary energy storage is extraordinary, uh, he said, and we'll put a huge amount of effort there.
2: Maybe they'll be built in everybody's new home. At this moment, many solar or wind-powered homes have to remain on the grid because there has not been a way to store extra power for lean hours. If given a relatively cheap and reliable battery to hold power needed, building off-grid in the country will become commonplace, and even in the city, self-powered homes could be a less expensive option than being grid-tied.
3: Now, who's ready to fire their monopoly power company?
2: uh, Let's see what
3: he has to say. Tesla to offer batteries. This is the chairman uh, talking. Elon. About a minute.
2: It was just a couple of sentences during Wednesday's 2014 earnings call by Tesla Motors executives. But in it, CEO Elon Musk apparently revealed a new line of business for the company, selling or leasing lithium-ion battery packs for home energy storage. Musk said, we're going to unveil the Tesla home battery consumer battery that will be for use in people's houses or businesses fairly soon. We have the design done, and it should go into production probably about six months or so. We probably have a date to sort the product unveiling. It's probably in the next month or two. It's really great. I'm really excited about it. It remains unclear whether the we in Musk's statement refers to Tesla Motors or to Solar City, but the Tesla brand might give added cachet to lithium-ion batteries offered to homeowners who already have solar panels installed. That's
1: looking
3: forward. I'm looking forward to uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, it's good. It makes a lot it's of sense. Good, it's good to
2: see this happen. Whether or not it will, I don't know who knows. But, but it will be banned from the market, <coughs> uh, which happens to a lot of good inventions. Oh, check this out.
3: Seed bombers can plant an entire forest of 900,000 trees in one day. Oh, cool. Check <laughs> this out. Seed bombers, okay. Seed bombers or aerial reforestation is a farming technique where trees and other crops are planted by being thrown or dropped from an airplane or flying drone. The, the, the seed bombs are typically compressed bundles of soil containing live vegetation that are ready to grow as soon as they hit the ground. Huh. This is something that can be done on both an industrial and a DIY... Do-it-yourself uh, do yeah. do do yeah. do scale. Do-it-yourself Yeah, do-it-yourself scale. Right, depending on the property and the situation. The earliest known record of seed bombing goes back to 1930 when planes were used to reforest certain areas in the the mountains of Honolulu. The equipment installed in the huge C-130 transport aircraft used by the military for laying carpets of landmines across combat zones has been adapted to deposit the trees in remote areas, including parts of Scotland, an idea originally from a former RAF pilot, Jack Walters. Uh, has been uh, developed by a U.S. manufacturer, Lockheed Martin Aerospace, so that
2: 900,000 young trees can be planted in one day. Seed bombing is also widely used wow. in Africa, where they put in in barren or simple in where they put in barren or simply grassy areas. With technology expanding, the contents of seed bombs are now placed in biodegradable container, embalmed grenade style, onto the land. As the sprout grows, the container biodegrades into the soil. The process is usually drone as large-scale project with hundreds dropped in a single area at any one time. Provided enough water, adequate sunlight, and low competition from existing fauna and flora, seed-bombed barren land could be host to new plants in as little as a month. Wow. In
3: 1987, Lynn Garrison created the Haitian um, Haitian Aerial Reforestation Project, in which tons of seeds would be scattered from specially modified aircraft. The seeds would be encapsulated in an absorbent material. The coating would contain fertilizer, insecticide, animal repellent, and uh, perhaps a few vegetable seeds. Uh, Haiti has a bimodal rainy season, with precipitation in spring and fall. The seeds are moistened a few days before the drop to start germination. Tons of seeds can be scattered across areas in the mountains, inaccessible to hand-planting projects, and another uh, project idea was to use C-130 aircraft and altering them to drop biodegradable cones filled with fertilizer and saplings over the hard-to-access areas. Wow, what a good idea, you know?
2: Clever, huh? Yeah, you know? Well, we've, come, we've come right to the end of our show. Let's see what they did here. Aerial reforestation is a technique used to foster new growth on damaged land. Local tree seeds are mixed with soil and shaped into small balls called seed bombs. On Wednesday, the Royal Thai Air Force loaded the seed bombs into a plane and dropped them over 5,000 rye of a wildlife sanctuary in pisa Province. Seeds of local plants such as payung, makamong, and kabak have been dropped with the aim of regenerating the area and transforming it into a healthy green
1: forest by 2017.
2: Just wow. a few years. Hmm.
3: That's amazing. I mean, they have the technology to reseed everything. Do you think that would be great?
2: Oh, I think it's wonderful. That is such a great idea. I hope it's the right thing. So many of the things that we do turns out to uh not be the right thing. Okay. It sounds good. I hope it works. And we're right to the end of our show. It's almost 9 o'clock. Yeah. And we thank folks for listening to us. And are you going to be on tomorrow night? Yes, yes I'm going to be on tomorrow night. And um, we will be,
3: uh, we will please join me. And, and
2: if you missed our show last night, please go on uh, Blog Talk Radio and you can listen to it. Oh, yeah. We had a great guest.
3: Yeah. Um we've um uh, yeah, uh um David uh, Eisenstein, um, uh, on monster dot com. Uh I want just wanna let, one one last word. These red boxes show how much land we need to fill with solar panels to power the world, Europe and Germany. It would take an area of just two hundred and fifty four kilometers squared filled with solar panels to power the entire world. And that would be great power for everybody. Isn't that everybody? amazing?
2: And look, it's right, it's right
3: in, uh, it's like in Africa there or something. Right,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right in the, where, where heavy, heavy sunlight, you know, would be. I mean, tremors. really?
2: Actually, Why can't we do sero- that? De-
3: that's right, the sero- does
2: Why can't we do that? I don't know.
3: Because they don't, there's no will to do it. But we have the technology, folks. So. Anyway, I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. And please join me tomorrow night for Transdimensional Radio. And good night, everyone.
2: Good night, folks. Have a great
3: night.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.